is the Schaefer Baseball Report, an inside look at America's pastime. From Little League all the way to the big leagues. Now here's your host, former Major League infielder Jeff Schaefer. We're live. All right, welcome everybody. Schaefer Baseball Report Friday edition here at the Tuxedo Dreamfields. Now that we've done the whole presentation, the tuck that we call the tuck for all these years, we're going to call the stick. The stick. It's kind of fitting, though. It's not like you're taking it to some different kind of name. No. It doesn't, you know, and and uh, so Stick Williams, a big part of um, the development of the West Side of Charlotte, uh, a philanthropist, a career Duke employee. Uh, he uh, he's a big piece and he's uh, he's he's a big part of our connectivity as far as not hole goes to uh, what they call the uh, the sea level. That's all the people that. Uh, sit up in the uh, press boxes and look down on us little people. You know, peasants. All the, all the sky peasants. boxes. Us peasants. Press, us peasants? No, yeah. he's he's a really down-to-earth guy, a good guy, and we're excited because um, we will be kind of transitioning the look of the tuck by calling it the stick and bringing in uh, different, uh, mon- at least, uh, least monument type of uh, programs, a gate that has the stick on it and uh, some other different things that will uh, identify Stick Williams. So we, we thank him for his attention to uh, to this project that we started a little over five years ago here in the west side of Charlotte. And we've had a tremendous impact yeah. with the organization, the people involved, CMR, You Deserve a Chance Foundation, uh, coming together and putting together the Not Whole Foundation. And it's it just keeps it keeps growing. Yeah. Um, you know, we have a lot of support coming from the county. We just got a, a lot of support from Coca-Cola uh, and so many other corporate um entities out there that want to get involved in what we're what we're doing out here and that's basically you know changing lives yeah so put your phone down dude no i'm trying to share it man i'm trying to share knocking two birds out with one stone what are you doing the podcast yeah but you're live you man what if you don't want to see you on the phone i'll hide it i'll hide it so they don't see it better there you go that's better (laughs) so um let's just go through a couple things real fast that's taking place out here at the talk a lot Uh, going on a lot going on so you know we never built our organization to alienate anybody else that plays in a different organization. Right. We've always been about the game and what we can do for the players and uh, help players and families get better, whether it's through the players getting better through camps and clinics mm-hmm. and families getting better at what they're doing as far as the recruiting processes uh, through educating them. And uh, so, you know, we take the facility and we open it up. And we do different things, especially through USA Baseball that we've been part of. This is going into our 10th year now. It's crazy, right? It's been uh, – and Tyler was part of that for a period of time with us. But, you know, we've been doing this for 10, 10 years. Um, it's grown for us. It keeps getting better. Um, and uh, so we get to do certain things under that umbrella right now. In USA right. Baseball NTIS, we open up our facility to camps and clinics. And, the uh, you know, the proceeds go to um, – to our nonprofit, which is You Deserve a Chance Foundation. That's where it's basically it's coming through that. But we get to use the NTIS moniker and use it as an evaluation tool as well yep. for our regional. So we uh, we we capitalize on it two ways. You know, one obviously identifying players, and others uh, assisting players that don't have you know the uh, the resources to stay in this game because we talk about it every week. How costly this this game has become i mean yep. it's definitely not it's definitely not cheap to be involved and if you don't have the resources and especially with the way that the uh, the economy is today it'll be interesting to see um how that affects you know the big the big programs the pbrs and the pgs down the road at these uh at these big events you know are they going to get as many people um or is uh you're going to find out like it's old school travel when we were in college when you had to put four guys in a room you know yeah. you go down that way and families can't afford to go and do that. But so what we have going on is tomorrow we got Trent Mongero coming in with his uh, elite infield, infield camp. So if you haven't seen that or been around that, it, it is one of the best in the country. And again, I've said it before, people that know my family um, that, uh, you know, as a former major league infielder, I, you know, I've had my hands on my son on Dylan forever, you know, and I've never let anybody go near him. You know, we've had a way to develop it and working together, but uh, Trent Mongero is definitely one person that I have allowed Dylan to be around and go with. And he did two of his camps. Uh, so, you know, I, I endorsed him just for that because I put, you know, I didn't just do it to do it. I mean, I researched hard and long. And yeah. uh, so, you know, the other <clears throat> cool part about Mongero coming in and, and Springer, when I talk about Springer coming in as well, but, you know, both those guys are good friends and they'll stay at the house and we'll have nothing but baseball talk for the next two days. And, and play golf. 
Well, Trent doesn't play golf. Oh. Springer does. Springer plays golf, but uh, but Trent doesn't. So we'll uh, you know we'll just and then Amanda will go upstairs and won't bother any of us, and we'll just kind of we'll chat the game. So that's tomorrow. Tomorrow's Trent Mongero. Then we got Chris Reyes coming in, who's one of our uh, one of our coaches and one of our regional. Uh, well, like an associate regional director up in the uh, the New York area with Angel right. Lugo, yeah. uh, he's bringing his infield camp down here, and that's on January fourteenth and fifteenth. So, um, you want to register for all these going on to southeastntis.com, southeastntis.com. Uh, you can register and sign up. They are we are limited because of the space that we have. Mm-hmm. We kept Trent's capped at forty, and we sold out on that. Right. We'll sell out on Chris's as well. Then we got something pretty special that a lot of us, and I want to talk to Tyler when we get Tyler Corson on here, um, is about the NIL and educating people on on that process because uh, you're better off prepared before you get to that level where the NIL is going to have an effect on you. And it may even become an effect uh, in terms of your recruiting decision. Yeah. You know, where you go. You know, are there, are there bigger dollars with, with the NIL? So we're bringing the players' NIL in here for a free event on January 24th at Tucker CG. All the details will go out. And uh, like I said, it's free, but we do want you to RSVP so we can have an idea of seats uh, so we can make sure everybody's comfortable when they get in here. We'll probably have to go ahead and uh, get all those chairs from Bob Simkowitz and, (laughs) you know, turn it into a theater again. Um, Chris Vasami, another coach that's in the area. You know, again, I've worked with Dylan and all our hitters for a period of time, but, uh, you know, when a father and son work together, there comes a point when you got to like say, I love you, man. And I'm more concerned about holding your kids someday than, uh, than worrying about you getting a base hit. So you got to kind of like, you know, wash your hands and move on. Uh, we found Chris Vasami in the area here, former minor league guy, and, but he is a phenomenal, phenomenal hitting coach. Uh, and a lot of the, a lot of the big dogs in the area go to him. So yeah. uh, we have, um, we have, uh, we have set that up January 29th. And then also, so that'll be from 10 to 2 in the morning, the hitting camp in the morning with Vasami. And then in the afternoon, we're going to do the Petra Kitcher. Petra Kitcher. Petra Kitcher. Pitcher Catcher Camp. The Pitcher Catcher Camp uh, from 3 to 6. And that's when we'll bring in pitchers and catchers from the area or whoever wants to come from wherever. And we'll have college recruiters in here uh, to watch these guys throw. It's kind of a preseason, like, look what we have. Yep. It's not just CBC guys. Mm-hmm. It is open to everybody. And we are not sitting in here poaching players okay i don't care who you play for you want to come when we do our ntis we do a lot of stuff we see uniforms across the board and not once did we ever ask a player right. to come over here not once nope. and we won't because that's just to me that's that that's bs and but you know what those who want to do it have at it man you got to live with yourself um that was my stab right there i had the freaking you always got to put it i always got to have a jab yep. in there right i always got to throw one shot yeah. um again and then springer on springer steve springer's coming in with uh, his mental approach to hitting and uh springer as far as the speaker goes is not only bringing knowledge but he's extremely entertaining he thinks he's a stand-up comedian um but he's but he but he brings a lot to the program another another good friend a teammate of mine when we were in vancouver and triple a with the white Sox. uh got a great relationship held on to that relationship for it's got to be over 25 years now so they're coming in so that's what's going on here at uh, at the tuck soon to be called the stick uh sign up southeast NTIS.com. A lot of guys getting rich in MLB right now. Yeah. Like not just rich, like sick rich. Yeah. Well, hey, there's one right there, Wilson Contreras. Yeah. yeah. That, that's a good one. I mean, they're throwing money out to mid-tier players. That's crazy now. They're locking down. For a long time. Like, a, I, I like, don't think I've ever seen this many players going for that long of periods. Seven to nine years. I've never I, seen this many. Yeah, Turner going for ten. Yeah, Judge going for ten or eleven. What did he get? Ten. I thought it was nine. Nine. Yeah, I think. I it was mean, nine. that's that's a long time. You know. Yeah. That's. It's that's a lot of baseball, man. That's a lot, a lot of, of money, money too. <laughs> that's a lot, a lot of money. And a lot of taxes. Yeah. So you know who I'm surprised with it? I'm not. And it, you know, when he came up, I was a fan. Not so much a fan in the past because he just hasn't shown consistency to me as Bellinger. Belichick yeah, got 17 true. mil for what did he get it for one year or two years? I mean, I think he got it for one year. I think right? it was it one year. I'm not sure. I'd have to look up on, on uh two. on on the report, but I mean 17 million dollars for a guy that's hitting hitting a buck eighty. And I don't care if you're a good defensive player, right? So you want to take a good defensive player. Jason Hayward just signed a minor league contract. Yeah, go get that guy if you want a def- defensive well, player. Sometimes it comes down to the mil. name too. He did get a lot of money when he went to the Cubs, so didn't he? Yeah, I mean, it's like the same thing with Pujols. I mean, yeah, it was great to see Pujols back to the Cardinals, but, I mean, he wasn't cheap. 
you know? Yeah, but he was a producer. I was just surprised at the, at the, at the terms. Well, I don't know if Pools was a producer like when they signed him. Not when they signed him. He wasn't. I mean, he was batting, I think, 190 or 200. There was yeah. more of the, the Cardinals bringing him back home, you know? But No, when still. the Cardinals signed him, yeah. But when, yeah, he yeah. Went, when he went to Anaheim, he was producing. Yeah, he's doing decent. Yeah, going, yeah. Then he went to the Dodgers and do, didn't do the best. No. Not what, not what was expected and came back home and did what he did with so the Cardinals he, he 10 took, years ago. He took the money. He took the money to go there. Got it right. Came back and he's going to the Hall of Fame regardless. He's a, oh my God. he's a Hall yeah. of Fame player. So when I played with Griffey and Griffey left Seattle to go to Cincinnati and took left less money, left like forty million on the table. Jesus, and then got hurt when he was there. But still, another uh, another Hall of Fame guy. Why are you tired? Hit too many golf balls yesterday? No, nope. No, how long did you stay? No, there you putting? just wear me out when you talk. I do. Yeah. Because I don't talk to you any other time. And then you no. call and you say, do I miss you? And i like, no, not at all. <laughs> kidding me? No, you always miss me. Okay, if you say so. All right. So, yeah, uh, DeGrom, I mean, uh, Verlander going to the Mets are like, yeah, that's a staff. Now, if they got anything behind that, you know, in terms of pen, that'll be interesting to see. Now, it's funny. I saw a, a picture of the Mets staff. I think it was three years ago when they signed all these young dudes, like DeGrom, yeah, all these, yeah, yeah, all these yeah. huge names. Yeah. And it's like almost no one's there now. No, it's kind of no. crazy. Matt Harvey. Yep. Yeah. Harvey was Sin- there. Syndergaard's out Syndergaard. there. Remember they were the dark Knight and uh, Thor. And yeah, there was one other guy that was one other arm. Oh, it might've been Matt's might've been Steven Matt's, but he's done. All right. He's with St. Louis, isn't he? Matt's is with St. Louis. Yeah. yeah. But he, he got hurt. He was yeah. hurt. But I think it was those three guys that were, uh, that were pretty, pretty touted. Yep. But listen, man, it's good for them. I mean, you know, good for these guys. I'm, you know, I'm part of the Players Association, the union, and you you can only do this for so long, mm-hmm. you know. So, and if they're going to put the money out there and the money's out there, then the players deserve it. Yeah. You know, they deserve, they deserve a big chunk of it. I don't negate the fact that owners don't because they've taken all the risk in, in, in all of this. But, yeah. you know, they've made a lot of money on appreciation of just the organization. Mm-hmm. You know, every year it just keeps going, you know, turning into more and more. It, it, everything will be corporate at some point because nobody, unless Elon Musk wants to buy it, <laughs> then he can, then he can, then he can do it. Let Musk have it. So, but uh, yeah, so that's our, that's our tap into the, into the MLB. Um, you got anything else on our end before we bring out uh, Tyler Corson? No, no, we're good. All right. You so so we're going to, you know, we're going to bring up, we're going to bring up Tyler Corson and uh, Tyler is, uh, he's out of Alabama and he runs next level academy he started out with the triton rays which was a travel showcase team and we connected with tyler early on through the uh, ncis uh which he did a good job for us but obviously you know he took on big fish and um had to put his attention other in other areas you know mm-hmm. he was uh, at that point he was trying to grow the triton the titan rays and uh had teams all over the southeast basically and that becomes you know for people that are not involved in this industry don't realize how taxing that is when you have a lot of teams because you're not just answering to one person with the team you're answering to right. numbers of people and uh it doesn't seem to end and it seems to be like you're putting out more fires than you're uh than you're doing good with um we like the fact what we do here is we're basically one team per age group and you know we've minimized that down from 14 basically when they get on the big field up to uh up to 17 and we focus on getting them getting them moved on but tyler's uh you know tyler's a uh a different dude in our space because um you know you rarely find baseball people that are good business people you know it's either you're a good baseball guy or you're a good business person you don't really ever uh connect uh the two together and have a you know a top-notch hybrid when it when it, you know for lack of a, a different term but you know tyler's tyler's resume is pretty impressive one he's moved into the space of next level baseball academy now which we're going to talk heavily about um but he's a he's a graduate of IMG, which has probably been the model for everybody. They've you know they've done it better and they charge more than anybody else. Um, <laughs> Lipscomb University baseball player, all academic all, uh, conference selection, uh, Faulkner University baseball. Uh, he has a bachelor's in business, and um, he was part of a sports agent group, and he was an associate scout with the Milwaukee Brewers, which his dad was a scout. Uh, and I and I'm not sure if it was the Red Sox or who it was, but Tyler will let us know in a minute. But yeah. Um, his dad was a, was a, was a, an MLB scout. So his background in the game, uh, runs all levels, you know, from, from amateur all the way up to professional baseball. And now he's in a different space that, uh, it's not consumed 
by everybody like travel teams are there's not a there's not an academy on every corner but the academies are starting to pop up so um you know that's a big piece of what we're talking about here and uh tyler's been gracious enough to uh you know to kind of start my my path on it and guide me through the you know you know the the pros and the cons so tyler welcome to uh shave a baseball report so we appreciate you taking the time to come on and uh, and discuss what do you think about all this money in mlb first of all uh, you know, I, I like the fact that the players are getting paid, uh, but I do think it's a little, a little crazy. Uh, I don't think one human being is, should be worth that much money, uh, unless they're hitting, you know, 80, 90 home runs a season. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, money talks, keeps people there. Uh, you know, I, I, I just, I know that there's a lot of money in MLB that could be used for so many great purposes and not disrespecting the guys that are getting paid, but you know, all these, these big time money, people, Yankees, whoever, you know, there's a lot they could be doing to, to help out communities and other people instead of just dishing everything to, to one person. I know that's a crazy take, but you know, you look at the amateur game, you know, the more that they could help out, you know, that changes everything. No, that's a, that your point isn't off because John Ennis, who's uh, who's part of our staff here, and John's another four, he's a former major league guy. John Ennis always thought that MLB should help fund college baseball. Yeah, I mean it's going yeah. that way now, right? With uh, if if you look at the uh, the transfer portal, and guys can yeah. jump all over the place. Basically, they all become free agents, but you know, so people are moving around. So you need more you need more college coaches involved. And you know, we know, you know, being in the industry, how little some of these guys make. I mean, they make no money really whatsoever. Yeah, so I'm just amazed on how some of these guys even live on it. Yep. Um, and then you have volunteers and then you have lower level coaches. But if MLB took some of that money and put it into the universities on the baseball programs, right? And and supported college coaches, which is John's theory, I think that would that would help quite a bit. Yeah, grow the game. I think they'd make more money in the long run. And instead of just having one big time player, you know, really grow the game of baseball mm-hmm. and, and that'll bring in more revenue in itself. Yeah. So the other thing is scholarships. Scholarships are, you know, I mean, if there's a way that, you know, universities can increase the number of scholarships, 11.7 in a fully funded NCAA and 12 in an NAIA. Um, and then you have some universities out there. I think like uh, Davidson, for example, is a division one high academic program. They have eight for the longest period of time. They had three. I believe Towson yeah. has only eight. So there's a lot of programs out there. and People don't understand how they have to massage these numbers mm-hmm. to um, to, uh, you know, assist the recruiting process to get these guys in there. So, you know, and, and it, when you're right, Tyler, so when you look at it, the, the bigger money in our game is at the MLB level. So, you know, what are they doing with that money instead of constantly paying, you know, I mean, you think of all the guys that, that made over a hundred million dollars this year. Right. So take, I don't know. I, I couldn't do the math. Well, this is just a hypothetical. Take, take 2 million from each one of those guys. Yep. And dump it into an NCAA pool, but not even NCAA pool. Put it into a different pool that they can be dispersed. Right. That's maybe managed by college coaches or something, and spread that money around and uh, and see how that changes. Um, you know, but you're right. There's there, there's more that MLB can do. But you, congratulations to those guys. You know, Trey Turner right. getting three hundred million dollars for eleven years, and Judge getting three sixty. And so when I, I and I've told the story before, Tyler, when I was playing, Kirby Puckett got three million dollars a year, and we fell out of our chairs. Man, we could not believe that somebody <laughs> was going to get paid three million dollars. Shows how old you are, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, just turned forty, right? Just yeah, yeah. It's crazy, but um, you know, it, it, it's all relative. I mean, that was a lot of money at the time, and I mm-hmm. felt like I was, you know, I mean, what I was being paid was I was being paid to do what I want to do, and I loved it, you know, and I think. I think, you know, that that gets lost on some of these people that are watching or reading stories is that, uh, you know, the guys that are getting this money, they, they love to play the game. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not that they, they, you know, they're just doing it because it's an occupation. You know, they just happen to be reaping the benefits of, uh, you know, you're making that kind of money. They should give me all that pension money because they're not going to need it. <laughs> Refund yeah. my pension, you know, load it up. But let's let's jump into the academy part of, uh, of the game, which, you know, you started with the Triton Rays. And uh, you started to build that. We discussed early on, had considerations of uh, going along that track. We just kind of stayed with CBC individually. But, um, 
you know, take us through that process and how you backed down from that. And then you came into um, the academy because you are a graduate of, of IMG. Uh, so that had to be that had to be stuck in your head as a business as a business major. You know, OK, look at this model that that, that incorporates baseball and business. Uh, you already had a kind of a template. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, the biggest thing for me when I got started you know, I, I wanted to coach to, to what capacity, how much, where, you know, I had no idea. So at a young age, 19 in college, I started kind of running some teams. And, you know, as that developed, um, you know, I did kind of do the model of, of branching out to different states and different areas, you know, had up to, I think, almost 70 something teams at one point. Um, travel ball for me is is uh it's, it's special because I'm able to build bonds with people from, you know, all over and different families. Uh, but, you know, it got to the point where we were getting so big that there wasn't that personal relationship. You know, it was people were becoming more of a number. So uh, I kind of stepped away from having all the franchises and, and so many teams and kind of ended up doing just really two teams per age group as far as the Triton race goes. Uh, and then I kind of to see, started to see the model of, um, you know, what I did at IMG being possible in different areas. Um, you know, most people don't have $80,000 to go, go to a boarding school. Um, you know, I, I got to go to a boarding school partially cause IMG was still getting going, but you know, there's a lot of scholarship money there still involved. So, uh, I kind of saw the niche and, um, you know, again, I, I love travel ball, but, I do love being able to build relationships with our players, be a mentor. And as I decided to go into the academy uh, aspect of it, you know, that's where you really feel like you're able to really kind of change lives. And, and, and again, not dissing travel ball. There's just a lot of in and out. I mean, you know, guys will be there one summer and then another team the next. And um, with the academy side, it's just it's a lot more consistency and a little bit more uh, a lot more personal, I guess you would say. So I guess it'd be one of my questions. Do you see more retention with the academy versus travel ball? Yeah, I mean, you know, once they come to the academy, they're here. Um, you know, they don't really leave travel ball. You know, there's so many teams and so many organizations. Um, you know, if little Johnny doesn't play as much or you tell him he's more of a D2 guy and his mom thinks he's a D1 guy, they're going to jump ship. Um, you know, with the academy setting uh, being, you know, academics, athletics, uh, with the guys every day, you know, it's, it's easier to, to work with families and players on, on that side of it. Um, and there's a better understanding and, and realistic, uh, goals when you're able to be with the guys, you know, day in and day out, uh, training physically, mentally, uh, nutrition, baseball, you know, on and off the field stuff, um, and travel ball, you know, you get the guys, sometimes they come to practice, but most time they're showing up on a weekend. And you're doing the best you can to coach them up and and get them recruited. Uh, you know your time is just kind of limited sometimes in, in, in that realm. And with the academy, you know it being you know ten month program, just like any other normal school. You know it's a lot easier to really you know get these guys where they're trying to go as far as goals. The um, are the players or the majority of players coming to the academies because it's baseball and just not continue with the education in terms of put it this way has COVID helped the scenario in terms of kids oh, schooling? Yeah. oh yeah yeah COVID uh you know I'm not saying COVID was good but it, it helped us uh, it opened people's eyes to other ways to be educated not just the traditional in the classroom you know eight hours a day um, once people you know COVID came around virtual things happened some people went private uh, schools, you know, it, it really kind of opened the doors more for us and not just the, you know, the high school and middle school side, but even the post-grad side, because so many guys were kind of slipping through the cracks with people getting extra years that uh, post-grad was kind of looked down on a little bit before, kind of unknown, maybe guys who weren't good enough to play college. Um, and now, you know, that's looked at, you know, very, very differently. Um, but I, I do think that, um you know, with the academy, if 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 the trend is going the way it is, uh, I think that this will be kind of the the new up and coming thing. The most travelable people, kind of people like yourself, kind of get something like this going. And again, it's not for everybody. 
Um, but it is a very uh, special thing to have. And, and it's really cool to see people come in from, from all over the world. Um, you know, I'd say half of our students, if we got 40 players on the baseball team, uh, you might have 15 local guys, 12, and then the rest will be from, you know, all over the U.S. From uh, We have a kid from Germany, South Africa, Sweden, Venezuela, Dominican, uh, Mexico. So it's a very different dynamic with, with this group. Now, are, you, are these are most of your players vetted when they get there as far as, you know, they are players that have the ability to move on to the next level? You know, I, as, you know I'd is, say I mean, the, the objective is the objective is, is to get these kids moving forward um, yes. in terms of baseball. Yeah. And, and, and to what level, you know, each guy is going to be different based on, you know, obviously one athletic ability and then, you know, grades and financial situation. But, um, you know, pretty much everybody that comes to, to this setting, to an academy like this, has some type of ability um, for us to be able to get them into the next level with. My back. Yep. Yeah, you're, you're back. back. You're back. So, yep. uh, whether it's junior college, D1, um, you know, each guy that comes in has has enough ability to where we know they have some type of tool to where we can get them recruited. Uh, and then even our, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh graders, um, you know, obviously they're not being recruited and whatnot, but, you know, there's ability there and, and we know that we can build off that and move forward. So we don't just take anybody that might sound bad. Um you know, there is a little bit of an evaluation process, um, you know, but the biggest thing is, is we want guys that are hungry, want to get better, want to work. Um, and when you choose to do something like this, you know, seven out of 10 guys, eight out of 10 guys are leaving their families, their friends, everything they know uh, to come to Wetumpka, Alabama, uh, to try to better themselves as a, as a player and a person. Um, so it, it is very different, but it's very cool. Yeah. So the academic piece, you, um, are they virtually? Are they doing virtual? That even though they're staying with you, or are you, are you? I know that you just bought a school, basically. Yeah. Um, so, so you've taken this thing from concept, and it's been pretty much like putting them in hotels and just kind of figuring out how to house to the point now that you're building a school and turning part of it into a into a dorm. So, are you a classroom type of environment, or are you a uh, a virtual? Yeah, classroom. You know, virtual with you know athletes is it can be tough um, keeping them on task. Um, you know, with us, I, I really feel like the in-person, the teachers being there, having that person to meet with on a regular basis, you know, uh, just the in-person I think is, is huge. Um, you know, we might have a couple guys do a, a virtual class or two, uh, just for an elective or something, but, you know, most of our guys are doing everything in person. Um, and then as far as our campus, you know, we, we did start off in, in like a, a warehouse as far as facility goes, we just cages and whatnot. Um, actually had a trailer for a classroom and then we rented apartments and put guys in there. And then obviously now since 2018, we've bought an old school. Um, you know, we have dorms on site, weight room, everything's here on site, which has made it, you know, a lot easier. So as far as the academic piece goes, you got, you got grades, you got middle school kids mm -hmm. up or you have younger than that. I have fifth grade through 12th and then post-grads. So how does that work academically? Are, the, are they are you breaking it up by age into classrooms? Yeah, yeah. So uh, you know it's really based on grade level. Um, you know, or you know wherever you come from, high school wise. You know, you might have a tenth grader with a twelfth grader in the same class, just based on you know credits. But you know, most of it's done by grade. Um, it's not just one big group of fifth graders to twelfth graders in one class. Um, it's all kind of you know separated out by their ages. So the um, obviously the, the the region or the area that you're in would dictate more if you have the commuter versus the the resident, right? So yes. you guys being in where you're at probably attract more of the, the 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 one that's living on site, right? That needs the needs the housing. Yes. Um, but you know our area would be probably just as attractive on both sides. But you know we have such a metropolis here. We're like we're literally ten minutes from downtown Charlotte. We sit inside the radius of all of, you know, of Mecklenburg County um, and then all obviously the counties behind us that kids would have the ability to, you know, to come in in the morning and work out and then, you know, go through whatever they need to go through, maybe virtually, you know, do that. So there is there is like you were telling me, there is an accredited virtual school. Yes. 
that um, they would have to work with. They could work with it on site, but they would have to work with, and all their grades would run through them and not Correct. necessarily have to run through you guys and then prepare you right. know, to fall under some type of uh, school district uh, requirements. Yeah. So each academy is a little different. My academy, pretty much everything's, you know, through us, um, NCAA approved, accredited, whatever, all that good stuff. You know, most academies are doing the, the virtual um, to where they might bring guys into a classroom for, you know, two or three hour time period and have them either do the public school virtual, you know, courses or go through a different online program. But uh, there's a lot of different virtual stuff out there that's NCAA approved. Um, and then based on, you know, the type of student you are, you know, straight A's or you struggle a little bit, you know, um, there's, there's different levels of the virtual uh, that, you know, guys can get into. So what's like a, a day-to-day schedule for the students? Like one, do they get to pick their own classes? Um, is it like a three-hour period for classes? When do they wake up? Can you give a day-to-day kind of schedule? Yeah. So, um, you know, we have to follow pretty much everything NCAA guidelines. Uh, I wish they could pick their classes, but, you know, we have to follow, you know, algebra one, algebra two, and, and so forth. So based on where they're at, transcript-wise, credit-wise, uh, when we bring them in, uh, we plug them in and keep them on pace. Uh, as far as a daily routine, every morning um, we meet at 8.30 as a group, all the players, um, pretty much the younger guys, uh, pretty much 10th and below, will do an education piece in the morning uh, for about an hour and a half while the other guys work out. Uh, then they'll switch. Then they, uh, they do have lunch after that, and then we practice for about two or three hours in the afternoon. Um, and that's a Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday is a little different this year, just cause we brought in so many more young guys. Uh, everybody works out at eight 30. We practice from 10 30 to about 12, 15. Um, and then post-grads and seniors that don't have as many classes will have what we call early work at about one 30 while the other guys will go to class from one 45 till four 45. And then so. what's the, uh, what is, uh, what's the high school season look like? Cause you are basically a high school team, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, you'll play other academies. Obviously, there's are there big events for those. Uh, but kind of give me an idea what the what the schedule looks like because we have we have CBC Royals here, Carolina. Mm-hmm. So we basically we call it an alternative school where yep. the kids can go to their high school. We have players that go to their different high schools around here, and instead of playing at their high school, they come and play for us. Yes. Um, and then that's we have big home, in Georgia. Then we have homeschool kids that. Yes. Uh, that are here. And so we play a high school schedule and we play a pretty, pretty good high school schedule actually. Um, so what is, what's the schedule look like down there for you? Because you have a national level team, right? You have a right. national. Te- okay. And then we have like a, a varsity and then a JV. So we have a, a team that's more what kind of like how IMG was when I was there, we had our, our national team. We'd go around and play and, and travel to different things, different tournaments. Uh, and then we had our JV and varsity teams, which were more uh, playing against local teams and things like that. But, you know, our guys, um, you know, our national schedule is a little different. We, we do play a lot of colleges, uh, you know, mostly JVs, um, you know, whether it's a Covenant or a Faulkner or a, a Bryan or tons of different colleges have JV programs that we play against. Um, and then there is some big tournaments, you know, there's a PG showdown prospect select has some stuff. PBR has some stuff. So they've really in the last three or four years, uh, those organizations, you know, the big ones, perfect game and whatnot have started to create tournaments and whatnot for the academies. Cause I see, I think they see the, their growing trend. Um, so we play about, you know, we go to school Monday through Thursday. So there's no Friday classes. That's kind of our recovery travel day. Um, but in the spring, I'd say around 50 games is usually what we play. Uh, I think most we've played is 64, um, but it's usually around 50 for the spring. And that will start the very end of January. We'll go down to uh, Vera Beach, um, and then we will end around the first week of May. Uh, and I think it's actually in uh, North Carolina where we're going to finish. How's, how's, how's most of the travel? Is it by bus? Uh, usually it's, you know, we have a bunch of 15 passenger vans. Um, so it's usually with the vans. Um, but if there is a big trip, that's a little bit longer. Yeah. We, you know, have to leave something out like that. It does get costly. Um, but most of the time we travel, it's vans and, you know, like you were saying earlier, we put three or four guys to a room and, uh, you know, kind of how it is in college. I mean, if you were to look at a junior college and then 
come look at our setup, it it almost you know it's pretty much a replica of what JUCOs do. So in the uh, in the in the spring, you guys are playing. You're actually playing other JUCO. You're playing JUCOs in the spring. JUCOs is that, is that and predominantly the national level team that's doing that. Yes. Yes. Okay. So and so are the national level players that you'll take to play some of the high school schedule as well. Will you mix and match, uh, they, or do you have this is my national team, this is my varsity? Yeah, you know, we will mix a match match a little bit. You know, we'll have varsity guys that will move up to play on the national team, whether it's injury or they're improving or whatnot. But um, you know, the JV type varsity guys are gonna play more here locally. Uh, and as they evolve, they they do get onto the national team. How does how do the high school coaches in the area look at next level? They don't like it. You know, uh, you know, I don't, I don't go out and recruit. I don't recruit anyone really. Um, you know, that sounds kind of conceited, but I don't have to anymore because we've, you know, almost 10 years in with the school. So, you know, what happens here locally is a good baseball player sees, you know, what we're doing, sees how many you know hours we go to school, you know, three or four hours a day, Monday through Thursday, get to train, uh, play colleges, better competition, and then you're surrounded by high-level players. And so when we have a game, it's not just a game where, you know, a couple of parents are showing. It's a game where there's six or seven scouts, whether it's college, Every pro, time. whatever it is. And so I think that draws a lot of guys in. But uh, when, when guys come in locally to our school, a lot of times it's the best player from a high school team. And, you know, I haven't gone out and actively recruited those guys, but they'll come in and have a visit. Next thing you know, they – you know, sign with us, come to school, and those high school coaches are not happy about it. But right. at the end of the day, you know, I just focus on doing my job, doing what's right for the guys, and you know, let everything kind of take care of itself. Yeah, we've seen that. We've seen that down there. There's a there's a um, what is it? Is it a magnet school? Would you call Legion Collegiate? What is it? It's uh, but it uh, falls it falls under it falls under the umbrella of the school district down in York and South Carolina. But they're a private. They're they're not a private school. They're a school that a kid can choose to go to. Okay, and uh, and a lot of players have left to go play there. A lot of the good players have gone uh, to this, this Legion Collegiate. Collegiate Academy. And, and I'll uh, tell you, it, it has hurt the travel ball side of it as far as the Triton Rays. Um, you know, me running Next Level Academy and the Triton Rays, uh, coaches are a little bit more hesitant to maybe put guys on our team just because they're worried about, you know, guys coming in and, you know, wanting to come to our school. Uh, but like to your point earlier about poaching guys, things like that, that's, that's not what I do. I don't, I don't feel like I have to do that. Um, I feel like if I do my job and do it well, people are, are going to come and I don't, I don't have to go after them. So, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of, I say coaches aren't happy. There's a lot of good high school coaches here that support us and help us and, and send us their seniors that, struggling with grades or injury or need some more offers. So we'll get some of their guys to come in as post-grads, but um, you know, it has been a little bit tough just trying to uh, put out fires. You know, you get a call from a high school, why are you getting my player? I'm, I'm not, you know, parents came in, contacted us. And so, you know, that's made it a little hard, but you know, at the end of the day, you know, if it's what's best for the kid, you know, I'm, that's what I'm all about. Yeah. So Laura Craddock said it was a, it's a, it's a charter school. That, uh, that they can do that with, but yeah. So we we saw the effect of that where uh, when uh, when that academy Legion Collegiate and it's basically it's a school, um, but they uh, the co the high school teams in the area wouldn't play them, so mm -hmm. they had to go ahead and find a, a schedule that you know required more travel uh, than they you know. And they we we can't play any Alabama high school teams. Um, our 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 school will not be able to play any Alabama teams. Even, uh, even private, even private schools, no even, private, no public. Really? Yeah. No, nothing. So that's, yeah. That North Carolina really allows hard. that. Yeah. North Carolina allows that. Yeah. Can, Tennessee, you know, our, Georgia. Our schedule is made up of, uh, but I, you know, I, I like, I like the fact for us and then, you know, we've had this kind of like, we, we've been a developmental program forever. Like we have winter workouts. We practice during the season. We're not a, a show and go like you were talking about, you know, that we see so much in the travel uh, the travel showcase world, you know, they show up on the weekends and they play and you hope that they're getting their work during the week. So the development part is, 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 is something that's always been a big piece. I like the fact that they would come in the morning, 
Uh, you got a strength and conditioning coach, obviously, because I used to watch all the videos that you used to post when you were in the warehouse, you know, and all these guys grinding it out and you put those up fairly regularly. So that was, uh, that was interesting, but you know, the kids getting the right workout because another part of what's going on with the training piece is a lot of this training that goes on in high school is all football type of mentality or the old type of training that we did. Let's bench press, let's curl, let's, let's press. And they're putting themselves in, in, in not a good situation they're actually putting them in a, in a situation that could injure them yes and so i'll tell you, you have, our, so our football what, what just, team what's compared to our baseball team lifts very differently you know our football team is going to train one way our basketball team is going to train one way and the baseball team is going to tr- train one way and now you know there's a lot of similar lifts they do but training for certain sports um you know i think is is important and we're able to do a baseball focused you know, strength conditioning aspect of it, whether it's uh, arm care, yoga, stretching, you know, different crazy lifts, med ball stuff. Um, I think that's, I think that's where we see the biggest jump in development. You know, the baseball side, they're going to get better at that every day, just because we practice every day and, and and our coaches are good coaches, but the strength side, I think is the most important thing. And I think that's what I've harp to the guys and most every morning going in the weight room with the right mindset, making sure they've had the right nutrition the day before, what's their plan for the day eating. Um, you know, I think if, if we take care of their bodies and get them physically as strong as we possibly can, you know, the rest takes care of itself. Uh, my godson's a great example. He only played a draft in the state of Alabama last year as a, you know, high school guy. Uh, he comes in at, about 130 pounds and, and leaves at 190 and comes in throwing 83 and leaves throwing 94. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he had obviously ability and the arm was there. It was just the strength side that really changed everything. Um, you know, and obviously that was over a three year period, but um, I think for us development side is really, our focus is really the strength conditioning and nutrition. Um, and then I think the, the next thing we focus on outside of baseball is really time management. Uh, if these guys are managing their time correctly, um, it makes everything easier from homework to eating to, you know, working out, managing all, you know, even your friendships, learning how to do that is vital. And, and I noticed when, you know, I was a freshman in college and seeing other guys go to college, you know, I think that was the biggest uh, issue people would have in college when they first get theirs is, is time management and, and and learning how to go about your business on a regular basis. And I think that's what we're able to kind of provide here is, is a good structure. And so when those guys come in and then they leave to go into a, a college setting as a freshman, not saying they're more talented, they're just more ready uh, more physically, prepared. mentally. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. So that's, you know, we've talked about that with CBC for forever is that, you know, it, it's amazing. And you've probably seen it as much as, as, as much as I have is that the, the instinct of the player is gone, right? Because they don't do things on their own or they don't figure it out on their own, but the way that these, because there's no practice during the week for a lot of organizations that they don't know how to run pickoff plays. They don't know how yep. to run bunch defense. And so there's a yep. learning curve that's greater now than I think yes. than when I played Yes, uh, when these guys go to college. So we're always want to, we want to make sure that, okay, Maybe we don't have that, you know, that that power five guy. Uh, maybe we got mid-major guys, D2 guys, D3 guys, but they're all prepared yep. to go into a program and play the game the way it's supposed to be played. Yep. That That's one thing I love about the, the academy side. And, and, again, I'm not trying to knock travel ball because I do that. But travel ball, you know, you get your guys together on the weekend and you got to have some simple signals, no real plays, anything like that. And, and then in this setting, completely different animal. I mean, it's it's just how a college team would do it. Uh, back picks, you know, timing picks, uh, bunt coverages, bunt plays, you know, everybody's on the same page, really good nonverbal communication. Um, I think that's what's so awesome about this is, is you're actually able to be a real coach and not just kind of managing some parents and some players playing time. Uh, you're really managing the game. Um, guys kind of start to, you know, understand their roles more as a player, um, what's going to help them get into college. And, and I think that's what's vital, you know, for us on the recruiting side. I mean, you know, you guys do a great job recruiting. You're able to give a lot of baseball information, you know, on VLO and, and how they compete. I'm able to give – they show up on time every morning for the meeting. They wear the right stuff. They work hard in the weight room. Grades are good, respectful to all the coaches. The room is clean. They never miss curfew at night. You know, those things I feel like are vital 
for a college coach when you're bringing a guy on scholarship. If you know he checks all those boxes, the baseball side, you know, it is what it is. Um, and that's where I feel like we have kind of an edge when we're able to get on the phone and talk to coaches to give that feedback of, you know, everything that they do, good, bad, and ugly. Um, and in the travel ball setting, you're a little bit more limited on the knowledge you have of that player and how much you can actually relay. Um, and I'm big on being extremely honest, probably brutally honest with all coaches. Uh, if a guy throws 83, I'm going to tell him he throws 83. I'm, I'm not going to say, yeah, he throws 91. Um, you know, and I think that's for us has been big to, you know, have that history of, of the honest communication of the baseball side. And then now being able to give the, what is the kid like as a person on a daily basis, family situation, you know, there's so much more info we're able to give these guys and it makes recruiting 10 times easier. You know, it, it's fun managing against other organizations and that's not allowed a lot of them out of there that when you know the guy on the other side of the bench, because I mean, it's competitive against managers like it is against teams, players yes. on the field, right? Oh, yeah. You're trying to think through his strategy and he's trying to think through your strategy. And it's the game that we grew up with. You know, it's a chess match, not just putting the players out there and there's a bunt situation or hit, hit and run situation or need to move, advance a runner and, and take a chance on stealing a base. And the game's played that way where it's the, the showcase stuff. Um, it, it, it's difficult because you're just trying to showcase an individual skill. That's right. You're talking to a college recruiter like we do all the time is, you know, I, I always preface it like, listen, I build, I build baseball players, you know, CBC builds baseball players. You know, you're going to get somebody that's going to get on the field and understand how this game is played, yep. how to move a runner over, how to, you know, the, the right way to tag up, when to take the extra base. Uh, and you don't see that, you know, because it, yep. we're, we're flooded, we're flooded with, we're flooded with teams out there of people that are disgruntled. And running teams. I mean, how many times have you been able to go into a game, know your exact roster, know the other team's roster, and have a really good strategy going into that game that you're able to make me with your team? Like us, we're going to play a, a Faulkner University on February 17th, and then we'll play them again at the end of March. And so we'll take the notes from February and go into that game with a real game plan, knowing their roster, the arms we'll face. Same thing for us. And so it really becomes – a real baseball game again and not just to show up and play and, you know, try to hit home runs or, you know, throw the heart ball as hard as you can. You know, this is more of a real baseball game compared to just a showcase type setup. It's uh, it's interesting in the conversations we have with recruiters, Andrew, myself, John Ennis, everybody, everybody involved. It's that, um, you know, these guys are so, you know, they're, they're, they're the new wave that's coming out of college, right? They're all metrics driven. You know, what's the spin rate? What's the exit velo? What's the launch yep. angle? What's, you know, what's what, what's all this other stuff? But when you go to them and say, listen, man, this kid's a baseball player. Yep. You know, I mean, how many years? Your dad, you know, I know your dad's past has been a while, but, you know, the conversation you have with your dad is like, he can look out at the field and watch some guy playing catch and go, that's a baseball yeah, player. Yeah, exactly. I yep. don't see, I don't need to see his metrics, right? I yep. don't need to see all that. So It's not like that anymore. <laughs> so, <laughs> so now, but you know, now, you know, you, you, you're in this environment, this academy environment where you're developing these kids. So when you do say, you really don't even have to say it as much anymore. It's, it's just, they know that the, what's coming out of your academy, like mm -hmm. they believe, like I believe they know what's coming out of our organization is we're getting a baseball player. You can go find yep. something shiny, you know, that looks great in a combine. Yep. But, um, you know, you're getting you're getting a player. You're getting something that's going to help you win. And, you know, it may be that unassuming guy on the field, right, that you just write him in the lineup every day and he's batting in the seventh or eighth slot. But at the end of the year, he hit 290. He drove an X amount of runs. He scored runs. He made all the defensive yep. plays. And he made everybody else around him better. That's right. So does this – do you find, like, it's, it's, it's less heavy – when dealing with college recruiters now, because you're in this environment than when you're oh, yeah. strictly in a in completely a different, completely different. Uh, and again, I'm still, you know, with Triton Rays and, and I run that and still, uh, I'm still involved in that, but you know, being able to communicate with the coaches from the Academy setting based on the players here and what they do compared to the travel ball circuit, it's, it's so much easier. And when they know they get one of our next level Academy guys, they, they know exactly what they're getting. You know, they're getting a hard-nosed guy, a guy who's been through the grind, you know, the 5 a.m. runs, the crazy stuff we do, uh, hell week, whatever it is, trying to get guys ready for college. You know, coaches feel confident when they offer our guy that they're going to come in and get the job done. There's, there's not really a question mark on what am I getting with this kid. 
Um, and I think that's valuable, you know, when, when you're a coach and you're trying to win games and keep your job, uh, knowing not just what type of baseball player, but type of person and how they go about their business day in and day out. I, I think that's, that's big. I got, I got, a, I got a confession though, that if we do this and we have a 5 a.m. run, you're going to hook up a satellite so I can, I can <laughs> coach that from <laughs> hook up the camera. Exactly. Hook up the camera. Are they running good? I can go back to, I can go back to sleep now. So what is your staff? Tell me, so do you have a trainer? You have a nutritionist, a strength and conditioning guy? What, yeah, you know, so staff look like you know we'll have a we'll have a strength coach that kind of you know manages all the sports. Um, you know, as far as baseball goes, I won't go into all the other sports, but right. um, you know, I'm kind of the nutritionist. Uh, obviously, I went to IMG and they brainwash you there. I didn't eat fast food for like eight years, um, but also I have celiac disease, and uh, which means you have to eat gluten free. And so I'm very educated on, on the nutrition and what you got to do. Uh, I was always one of those guys trying to gain weight when I was coming up. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm really good with, with that side of it, trying to put the guys on the right plan, whether it's gaining weight, losing weight, whatnot, uh, strength conditioning guys. Um, I work together, you know, with them hand in hand, uh, kind of have two guys that help me out with that. One is actually a, a former player. Um, but I kind of help, you know, monitor the lifts, make sure the lifts are, are being done properly. Uh, as far as our baseball staff, uh, you know, we'll have a pitching coach. Um, we'll have a hitting coach. Um, we do have kind of an infield, you know, guy, outfield guy. So there's there's about four or five full-time coaches uh, on the baseball side with the academy. Um, and, you know, obviously the other sports, football has a boatload of coaches and whatnot, but – I'd say for us, um, there, there's pretty much four guys that you can consistently, consistently see going on the road with the guys in here 24 seven. Um, you know, even some of the coaches live on campus. So, uh, it's, it's definitely a group effort and I'm just kind of the guy that oversees, make sure everything's being done. You know, we do kind of have a little system that we have our coaches, you know, follow. So they all kind of come in and, and adapt a little bit, but I'm big on, you know, giving those guys some freedom and letting them do their thing. But, uh, most of my coaches, um, uh, out of the four full-time baseball guys, I'd say three, you know, played for me for a while. Um, now they're 25, 26. So they come back and, uh, you know, kind of give back and, you know, come on staff. So, you know, that, that part is cool. Uh, when you're able to bring former players in, they know your system, what you expect, and so it's just kind of extension of you and our, our staff does a, you know, a great job of that. Schedules laid out. You guys are all ready to go. Um, what, what, so right now we're going into Christmas break. Are there, you got students there? Okay. Yeah. Um, we get out, I think the 16th or 17th. Um, and then we don't come back until the second. Uh, the only guys that are not here right now, a lot of the international guys have, have, have gone home. Um, a lot of times they'll go home at Thanksgiving break and not come back till till January. Um, so there's about 10 or 11 guys that are you know international that are not here, but everybody else is, is here right now. Right now we're in more of our, uh, what we call our strength phase. Um, you know, August we come in and and prep and get guys' bodies ready, kind of see where everybody's at, a lot of testing. September and October we're – lifting to kind of maintain our bodies while we're playing games. Then no, November, December, and early January is our strength phase. So right now we're really focused on moving a lot of weight around. Um, practices as far as baseball are a little shorter, uh, but the weight room stuff is, is, you know, at its all-time high right now. So when they get back in January, um, we'll start our early morning runs. Our, you know, our, our lifts will change a little bit to prepare more for the season. Um but it's uh, it is it is a grind for these guys. There's no doubt. Mm -hmm. What's what's the marketing strategy? How's, how how have you reached out? How did how did it happen internationally? Let alone just locally. Locally, I could see, and then probably just branch out word of mouth. But how how did you go ahead and promote? You know what you were doing. Let, let, you know, separate from the Triton Rays and the travel thing. Like I'm going into this academy business, and you know I'm looking for X amount of players. How did you do this? Yeah. Um realistically, you know, I didn't really do a ton of marketing promoting. A lot of it is what you saw, just people working out. And, uh, you know, I ended up taking one student the very first year I did it for the first semester. You know, he goes from a seven, four to a six, nine, 60, uh, goes from 80 to 85 in a semester. And after that, you know, I had three more parents call and then 
really just became word of mouth. And as far as international goes, again, it goes back to social media. Um, people seeing our guys work out, seeing guys sign, um, to get our website, ask some questions. The next thing you know, there's two guys from the Dominican and then two of their friends call. And so now there's a bunch of, um, have like uh, international guys that are agents uh, in different countries that kind of send their guys over here um, to kind of, you know, up their stock a little bit, um, get a taste of the American game. Cause you know, it's a little different in each country, sure. um, you know? And, and so I think for me uh, marketing wise, it was really just our guys marketing for us saying, this is what we do every day. And um, they, they post and stuff of themselves and people seeing them getting better um, I think that is what's really brought people in, but I probably should do a better job of marketing. I just, uh, I don't, I don't really have to at this point, you know, which I guess is a good thing. That's a, that's a, a lot of information, man. It's yeah. a lot. Uh, I mean, it's, 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 I've, I've been fascinated watching your journey to begin with since we, you know, since we connected, you know, with, uh, with USA baseball. And that was just basically a phone call, um, that we yeah. started to have a conversation kind of hit it off and then we've competed against each other um he's kicked our ass every time but <laughs> i don't even remember <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but you know it's uh i definitely think that this is this is a this is a path you know like we can't thank you enough you know again this is everything that we do in this game we know is territorial regardless of you know if it's down the road and that's your buddy down the road like people don't like to give up information right you know about how things are done but this is definitely uh you know, this is, it's, I wouldn't say it's cutting edge because other people have done it. You know, the IMGs have done it, but it's become the point where, okay, now it can be done on micro versions and not yes. as big as, as, as an IMG um, has done. But uh, it, I, we're going to keep picking on your brain here. We're, we're moving rapidly. Like I said, we had a, we had a meeting this morning regarding this. It's definitely an avenue that I, that I want to approach. How, so your summers are different now, right? You let your guys go off and play travel baseball. You're not like running. Are you running Tritons or are you just yeah, kind of like you know, taking some time off and with, uh, cause you keep making babies, dude. So yeah, I, know. I mean, Four eventually you can't all. go on the road all the time. I know. Right. Uh, you know, my staff does a great job. They're, they're on the road with guys most of the time in the summer. Um, you know, I'm kind of popping into different games depending on where it's at. Uh, but in the summer we still have our, you know, our older teams. I think our 18 year old team this past year was what, five or six in the country, whatever that means from perfect game. Right. Um, so we still do that. You know, I'd say about half of our students uh, next level play on our team. Um, some will go back to California, play on their team there, Ohio, wherever it is, uh, or back home if they're international guys. Uh, but I'd say about 50 or 60 percent of our academy students play on our Triton Rays teams in the summer. So uh, we still run those teams June and July. And that is that a whole separate piece to it? Like, okay, now you're a Triton Ray and it's not part yep. of your academy fees and all that. So if you want to stay yep. and play for that. And then you're attracting the local high school kids that stayed in high school and played at high school to yep. play with uh to play with you guys. And you and and the Triton Rays are a workout program. You did build a baseball field, didn't you? I mean you did. Yeah, yeah we have so the field, have, the way have a field. Yeah, multiple fields, small field, big field, everything for the guys. So a lot of the guys that come in in the summer, um, are guys that are almost like testing out if they want to come to the academy. So they'll come live here in June or June and July, uh, get a feel for what it's like to live on campus, play with our team, some of our guys, and then make a decision if they want to come, you know, in, in the fall. How many, how many guys do you actually have living on campus out of, out of the 40 baseball players, not the, not the football, not the basketball. Yeah. It's usually, um, this year baseball, I think there's probably around 14 last year there was 25. Um, you know, but now that we're having these other sports, I'm having to make a little yeah. room for these other guys. So, uh, we're in the process of figuring out more housing might be going back to some more apartments just cause it takes a lot of money to build dorms. Um, yeah. but you know, we can end up housing about 36 total on campus. Um, and then we have some host families that guys stay with too. So good. Awesome. Yeah. Got anything? I'm good, man. Tyler, that was awesome. We uh, appreciate the information. Appreciate you taking the time, jumping on with us and uh, look forward to catching up with you very soon with, uh, with more of this that uh, uh, as we move forward, you know, we're, we're putting a target date on it. Um, let me ask you this last question since you're the business guy, but you know, when you started this concept, how long from concept to reality did it take you? Was it six months, a year? Uh, 
it really happened pretty quickly, but it, it took about a year for me to realize, you know, this is, could be really big and bigger than I expected. Um, you know, so after that first semester, it took off really quick. Uh, but it took about really a year to realize like, okay, this is, this is probably going to take off more than I thought it would. Um, I really thought I was going to get a lot more pushback. People would think I was crazy and some do yeah. still, and I am a little crazy, I guess. I'd be <laughs> crazy to do this, but, um, I think after about a year, uh, people kind of accepted it, caught on and, and it really started to take off. I got a million things popping in my head like right now. So the guys that are living in apartments, how are you transporting them back and forth? You got, you're taking your vans to pick them up and drop them off. Most and of the coaches guys, are living with them in apartments. So you get an apartments for the coaches as well. If, if they're going to live in an apartment nine out of 10 times, they're going to be a post-grad guy. Um, yeah. meaning they're 18 or 19 years old. Uh, most of those guys have transportation. If, if a guy doesn't have a vehicle, they're usually going to live on campus. Uh, like most of the international guys do live on campus just because it, you know, we don't want to have to transport to and from, but, uh, guys that live with host families or apartments, whatnot, um, you know, they, most of those guys have transportation and then, you know, if they're in an apartment, they're usually above 18. So, uh, we used to have coaches that would live in the apartments, but now all the coaches live on, you know, on campus. That's awesome. Listen, man, I, I have all the respect in the world for high school coaches and what they do as teachers and coach, cause they don't make any money either, you know, and right. nobody's out there trying to pick apart their, their programs. We're just trying to do what's better for the players or what's, you know, for certain players. I mean, for right. obviously for other players it it pays for them to stay in high school and, and, and do what they're doing. I mean, we're a supporter of the North Carolina high school baseball coaches mm -hmm. association. We donate yep. to them every year. Um, and, uh, you know, but, you know, there, there are better avenues to everything. You know, we have people that leave our organization because they think there's a better place to go right. during summer. I mean, it's 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 part of our business. It happens. Yep. Um, you don't like it all the time, but, you know, and you, you hate to see a kid go somewhere where, you know, he's not going to get what he needs to get uh, in terms of the development or the attention, uh, not only to the player, but to the family. But uh, that that's the nature of our business. So, um, listen, Tyler, man, I, I appreciate your time. I look forward to talking to uh to you more soon yep. and uh good luck with everything and um we'll be in touch awesome man i appreciate all you right. guys having Thanks, me Tyler. all right thank you so it's crazy yeah see now i get excited you're always excited at some at some sometimes but then i you know i ride the roller coaster it's a it is a niche wave right now with no, it's it, it it is a niche, but there is there's a future to it. It's not like no, there's it's not a niche a in the sense that it's gonna go away. No, this is here to stay. It's a niche in the sense of like private schools trending up yep. quite a bit, but no one knows the sport included with the private right. school. So that's like the niche part of it where it's like, oh, I can get school and sport in the same thing. It's like a no brainer to, to some people who are sport enthusiasts. How many people can say that they have a college team on um, what you're doing with you know, you'll have the attention. Yeah, there's yeah. Not, not on, on major league spec fields. Yep. So just something to look at. No, something to do. Yeah, I think we looked. Yep. I think it's time to move. What sure. do you think? I mean, I'm not making a decision. No, you don't make executives. If I say let's go to where do you want to go to lunch? You're like, I don't care, wherever. Yeah, wherever. So, if you said something so, was so like I, USA, that's my job, right? So if, you do all the work, I'll make the executive decisions. No, I'm say, good with that. If you I say something with listen, if you say something with USA, I'm I'm I'll get I got you. Whatever. Okay. Whatever I need to do, but All right. lunch I don't care. I'll go where. <laughs> or golf. Lunch are hitting golf balls. Lunch, lunch or golf. Let's do so. it. All right, everybody. Well, thanks, man. So listen again, Monjero tomorrow. Yeah, Monjero tomorrow. Reyes, Chris Reyes catches camp, 14th and 15th. Be here. Um, then we got uh, the players NIL, which is free. Everybody will get that information up. Just RSVP so we can we you know you need to know because there's ways that your kids can make money in college that there was never there before yep. these It'll opportunities, be free, these opportunities, free. but that, but you got to be careful what you're doing yep. because you can't go do something and take a picture and put it on social media and have the university shirt on, mm -hmm. you know, you can get in trouble for that. So there's, there's definitely, uh, there's definitely guidelines to all of this stuff. And that's just one, probably in a thousand different things. Chris Fasami, uh, on the 20, on the 29th and pitcher catcher camp on the 29th. We'll have college recruiters here. Uh, and then Steve Springer, We'll be here on uh, February 4th, which uh, we already started getting registrations yeah. for. for no, we got registrations for everything. It's but. only 75 bucks a person or it's 100 for, for two. Yeah. Parent, parents so, can yeah. come. You get an audio book to go home with you. And yep. it's a good two hours of mental talk from Steve Springer. 
It's uh, and you know what? You know the beauty of Springer, and we'll talk about this when we get closer. Is that um, you know I played I played with Springer in in Vancouver uh, in AAA, and he lived. He didn't just make this up. Tommy McGraw was a hitting coach with the Mets when Springer spent like I don't know eleven years with the Mets or something like that, or maybe something somewhere around there. But um, Tommy McGraw brought him in and sat him down and said, "Let's talk through all this hitting," and he recorded the whole thing, so we listened to it every day, and that's how we started to build this. Hmm this uh this mental approach to hitting and you know he's been a performance coach with toronto blue jays and you know he's scouting with oakland and um so it, it'll be a it, it's always interesting and um last time he was here um he's got bad knees and we drank probably a bottle or two of wine the night before and then next thing you know about four in the morning i heard boom, 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 and he fell down the stairs he slipped and he said he was going to sue me but he didn't <laughs> <laughs> so I said, if you sue me any, every time you get, you have to give it back to UDACF. So, all right, everybody. Well, thank you. Shave, shave a baseball report. We will see you. I got one more next yeah, Friday before, next the holidays, before the holidays. Okay. Holidays. Um, good Christmas gifts right here. Do it. Peace out.